Good morning, and welcome to our show. I'm Janice, your host for WAMJ Digital Broadcasting um, Radio Talk Show. And, of course, today's date is November the 6th, 2019. And our topic for today is going to be very, very interesting. Um, The topic is born a genius in spite of, and that's with a question mark behind it, born a genius in spite of, and of course we will be doing narration on today, and we start off with our prayer, and this prayer is for mothers. Most gracious Heavenly Father, we thank you for our mothers to whom you have entrusted the care of every precious human life from its very beginning in the womb. You have given to women the capacity of participating with you in the creation of new life. Grant that every woman may come to understand the full meaning of that blessing, which gives her an unlimited capacity for selfless love for every child, she may be privileged to bear, and for all your children. Watch over every mother who is with child. Strengthen her faith in your fatherly care. And in times of trouble, grant her your joy. To mothers who you've given the great privilege and responsibility of being a child's first teacher and spiritual guide. Help mothers to grow daily in knowledge and understanding of your Son, our Lord Jesus Christ, and grant them the wisdom to impart this knowledge faithfully to their children and to all who depend upon them. Assist all spiritual mothers, those who, though they may not have children of their own, nevertheless, selflessly care for the children of others. Of every age and state in life, grant that they may know the joy of fulfilling this motherly calling of women, whether in teaching, nursing, religious life, or in other work which recognizes and fosters the true dignity of every human being created by you, God. We beseech you to send your Holy Spirit, the Comforter, to all mothers who sorrow for children that have died, are ill, or estranged from their families, or who are in trouble or danger of any kind. Help grieving mothers to rely on your tender mercy and fatherly love for all your children. We ask your blessings on all those to whom you have entrusted with motherhood. May your Holy Spirit constantly inspire and strengthen them. May all mothers receive your grace abundantly in this earthly life, and may they look forward to your eternal joy. We ask this through our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, who lives and reigns with you and the Holy Spirit, one God, world without 
in. Amen. Mothers. Mothers are very important because um, really they're the cornerstone of families, the cornerstone uh, or the first teachers uh, to their children. And um, again, I'm Janice, and I'm your host with WAMJ Digital Broadcasting, and so happy to be here on today, and I hope that you will stay tuned in with us. This is our live show on today, and um, we just want you to sit back, listen, if you want to call in to be part of our um, commentary or discussions on today please call 888-627-6008. Again, that's 888-627-6008. And we're going to get into our topic, Born a Genius in Spite of. Born a Genius in Spite of. Ernest Gaines. Born January 15, 1933, died November 5, 2019, which was yesterday. People wanted to be around him. And Ernest Gaines grew up in Poincapé, Paris, the oldest of 12 siblings. And of course, uh, WAMJ Digital Broadcasting is out of Louisiana. Uh, we have parishes uh, and counties are in other states, but we have parishes. So Ernest Gaines grew up in Poincapie Parish, and he was the oldest of 12 children. This was so important um, for me to be able to narrate this story on today because I had the privilege of meeting Mr. Gaines and his wife and also um, my youngest daughter um, was involved in a play some years ago uh, and the play was A Lesson Before Dying and she was a stage manager and I mean the play uh, just really, really, well, it stirred up something within me as and also um, it made me aspire to want to do more. So Ernest Gaines, he was born a genius in spite of the circumstances. And um, this was in the newspaper, and um, the advocate, which is out of uh, Louisiana, um, it's the um, our main newspaper, and the staff writers who um, contributed to this wonderful article uh, was Youssef. Radad and Megan Watt. They were the staff writers who did this story uh, for the Advocate newspaper. And so I'll begin. 
Ernest Gaines, the acclaimed author who drew inspiration from his impoverished upbringing in the rural South, died Tuesday morning of natural causes at his home near New Roads, Louisiana. He was 86 years old. He was raised on the plantation he and his ancestors worked in Poincapie Parish. Gaines went on to pen eight novels and several short stories, earning him a nomination for the Pulitzer Prize for his 1993 novel, A Lesson Before Dying, as well as several other literary accolades. His 1971 novel, The Autobiography of Miss Jane Pittman, was made into a TV film starring Cicely Tyson. Mr. Gain was the oldest of his 12 siblings, and he didn't have access to libraries under strict segregation during the Jim Crow era. But he drew from his experiences and those around him in his writing. He was born a genius in spite of. The parish also didn't have high schools for African Americans to attend, and Gaines had to move to California at the age of 15 to finish his education. He devoted himself to his craft, which started as a child when he'd write letters for people to send to their family members because they couldn't read or write. What an amazing introduction into Mr. Gaines' life. Born a genius in spite of. He loved Louisiana. This is where he wanted to return, and he did, said his wife, Miss Diane Gaines. I would sacrifice everything in the world to be a writer, he said in a 2016 interview. No male in my family had gone beyond high school. I just knew that I had to do something. Gaines later enlisted in the Army and attended San Francisco State University before enrolling in Stanford University's Creative Writing graduate program. But he returned to his home state, eventually buying land on the plantation he was raised on after accepting a job an hour away at the University of Southwestern Louisiana, which is now the University of Louisiana at Lafayette. He was there as a writer in residence in 1981. He loved Louisiana. His novel, A Lesson Before Dying, is one of the most selected titles for one book, One City, a nationwide reading initiative that encourages everyone in a city to read the same book. Set in a pre-civil rights Louisiana, 
the story touches on the themes of race relations and injustices after a black man is unjustly executed for murder. The story attained national recognition and Oprah Winfrey featured it in her book club. A lot of his writings came from experiences that he lived, said New Rose Mayor Cornell Dukes, seeing that embodied in one person was breathtaking. He was born a genius in spite of. Governor John Bell Edwards said in a statement on November 5th, that Ernest Gaines used his immense vision and literary talents to tell the stories of African Americans in the South. We are all blessed that Ernest left words and stories that will continue to inspire many in the generations to come. Following his retirement from the University of um, Louisiana at Lafayette, he worked with the university to later establish the Ernest J. Gaines Center, where much of his first edition work and original manuscripts can be found. His former students described his classes as awe-inspiring, awe-inspiring. Born a genius in spite of. It allowed them to work closely with Gaines on their writing, even though it came with sometimes bruising critiques and high demands. Quote, some students say, I learned a lot more just by being in his presence and having the opportunity to talk to him about his writing. Ms. Woods, an archivist who leads the Gaines Center at the university, said she felt a close connection to Gaines because they both had parents who worked as sharecroppers. He showed me nothing but support and care from the moment I interviewed for this job up until the last time I saw him, a few weeks ago, she said. Although the center had not planned a memorial or tribute to Gaines, Ms. Wood said the center has long been a place that honors his work. It's special to know for sure that we are following the mission that he set forth. And through his fiction, Wood said, Having that opportunity has just been amazing. Gaines delayed marriage until he was 60 years old when he married his wife, Miss Diane. The couple split their time between Louisiana and California and eventually bought the Mount Zion Baptist Church, which is on the grounds of the plantation near New Rose, where Ernest Gaines grew up and attended school until the sixth grade. 
They had been working to restore and beautify the Mount Zion River Lake Plantation Cemetery. His family plans to bury him there next to his ancestors. His wife, Ms. Diane Gaines, said her husband's death was unexpected. They had recently had family and friends visiting the past few weeks. She recalls the frequent visits from past students and even a recent visit from our governor, Edwards, who was in the area and asked if he could stop by. Aside from the fact that he was immensely talented, he was just a good person, his wife said. People just wanted to be around him. Diane Gaines said her husband appeared fine Monday night and was hanging out watching football when she went to bed before him. Mr. Dukes, the New Roads mayor, said Ernest Gaines was active in the community of New Roads and regularly attended book signings and other community events. He said, the city plans to honor Gaines following his funeral service, which is being still being planned. Ernest Gaines was an icon in Louisiana. He was an icon from his hometown of Near Roads, which is in Pocopee Parish. He will be missed for many decades and centuries to come, the mayor of New Rose said, Mr. Duke. And again, our topic for today was born a genius in spite of. And that's a topic that I chose because here we have during Jim Crow era uh, in the South, and this man was born a genius. You could only go to the, uh, African Americans could only go to the sixth grade and uh, in many areas, African Americans were forbidden to learn to read and write. And it was actually uh, a law that existed. So he went to the sixth grade, and he couldn't go any further. But his family, who was very wise, sent him to California to live with relatives where he could finish his education. And that's so very important because when we look at the world today, we have, that was during segregation. Schools were desegregated so all individuals could go to school together, whether they were white or black or uh, other people of color. But we're in a era that I believe and this is just my personal belief, where some individuals 
are trying to reverse the clock that so many has worked for and died for uh, to help us to progress. It's very important that um, you gain as much knowledge as possible. This man was born a genius in spite of, in spite of the circumstances, and he made his place in life in spite of. And I hope that not only just our African-American children and students and adults as well aspire to be all that you can be and aspire to use your gifts and your talents, whatever they may be, to be all that you can be and when others are looking at you, that they can aspire to greatness. I'm pretty sure Mr. Gaines did not envision his life being nominated for a Pulitzer Prize. But this man was so iconic. Uh, and I can remember uh, years back, and it's, I know it's been over 10 years ago, uh, having the privilege to meet him at the play, A Lesson Before Dying. And... Um, Everyone was just trying to get a chance to shake his hand or take a picture with him. And uh, whoever said that just being around him was awe-inspiring, and it was. At that particular time, um, this was 10 years ago or more, his wife, Miss Diane Gaines, was actually pushing him in a wheelchair. So apparently he had some difficulties of walking, but it didn't stop him from being among the people. It did not stop him from um, inspiring young individuals to go as far as they could possibly go. And learning to read, and learning to write, and uh, whatever uh, your gifts are. I just encourage our young people and those who may be older who think, well, my time has come and gone. I can't do uh, anything similar to what Mr. Gaines did, uh, who was an acclaimed author, a born a genius. Uh, but guess what? You can and I encourage you to use your genius, whatever that genius is, to grow it, to nurture it, and to contribute to your community and to the society in ho- as a contribute to society in 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 a big way. And you know what? You may not be looking for fame or fortune or any of that, but out of sincerity, if you want to make your place, 
where you live, your community, where you live, a better place. Use your gifts and use your talents. Born a genius in spite of is our topic. And Mr. Ernest Gaines, the acclaimed author from New Roads, Louisiana, born on a plantation, and that's where uh, he will be buried with other ancestors. Born a genius in spite of. I'm so grateful to have just had the opportunity uh, to meet Mr. Gaines and his wife. I want to share um, uh, a second story, uh, and this is a young African-American female who's also um, a writer in a large respect. And I'm going to share that with you. It's the story of Nicole Hannah-Jones, and some events will be going on in Louisiana, and I know the the podcast will be uh, worldwide, but she will be in New Orleans, Louisiana, this weekend to talk about the 1619 Project. And I'm just going to let you know, this lady as well was born a genius in spite of which is our topic for today. The story of Nicole Hannah-Jones. Nicole Hannah-Jones grew up as a little black girl being bused from her neighborhood to a school miles away and worlds apart. The good news is she made the most of a situation that little girls didn't understand. Flashing forward, to her time in high school when she was more mature about race, asking her one and only black teacher why she didn't see kids like her in the school newspaper. Basically, he told her, because kids like you aren't working at the newspaper. A few years later, after completing an undergraduate degree at Notre Dame, She landed at University of North Carolina, Chapel Hill, to pursue a graduate degree in journalism. She attended a diversity job fair there, hosted by the area's largest newspaper, The News and Observer. As senior editor at the paper, I coordinated the event, she said. She was a non-traditional student at age 27, simply searching for an opportunity to advance her career. Hannah Jones said she was quite naive, in quotes, when she arrived looking for opportunities. Others saw potential in her, and they suggested that she needed to get some of her work published to make her a better job candidate. She was urged, among other things, to develop a voice in her writing that clearly reflected her obvious passion. 
Hannah Jones followed through with those recommendations, and she was eventually hired. I know there's a black girl out there who needs to hear about this, someone who needs to read this, someone who needs to know that though she doesn't have what it takes now, she can grow those skills that's needed. I want that young girl to come out and encourage our young people to come out and see Hannah Jones. She will be visiting New Orleans this weekend to talk about the 1619 Project and the much-discussed journalism series about America's racial past that she and a team of her colleagues undertook at the New York Times. Yes, she got hired at the New York Times. If you're interested, you can catch Hannah Jones at the Amistad Research Center. Uh, Conversations in Color is the topic, and it's a free cultural series focused on social change from 6.30 p.m. to 8.30 p.m. at the Ash Cultural Arts Center, and that's on 1712 Aretha Castle Haley Boulevard in New Orleans. Also, you can have an opportunity to see her at Xavier University uh, in New Orleans as a part of the institution homecoming activities this weekend. At 11.30 a.m., she'll be in the ballroom uh, at Xavier's Robin Vander uh, Center, and Hannah Jones is making regular appearances all across uh, the nation. New Orleans is just one of the many stops that she'll be making, and New Orleans, she said, is her favorite American city. She said that she's really excited to be coming to New Orleans. New Orleans has played such a pivotal role with race, especially with slavery in the West. Quote, she said, as much as I love the Crescent City and the rich food and music places it's become, we shouldn't ignore our racial and slavery past. England wasn't the only nation with citizens fleeing in search of better lives and more wealth. Like the English, Frenchmen stopped off in Africa, picked up unsuspecting residents, and transported them to a new world in 1710 after the War of the Spanish Succession. A short few years later, as the French worked hard to jumpstart their own new colonies, more than 2,000 Africans were loaded like chattel onto at least eight ships and brought to New Orleans between 1717 and 1721. According to some reports, there were 17,000 to 20,000 Africans in the city, which had a population of 100,000 in about 1850. 
Hannah Jones is one of the brightest young talents, others said. She's come a long way from Chapel Hill. She's an award-winning investigative reporter who has earned the opportunity, who has earned the opportunity. And listen, that's what I say. She has earned the opportunity to cover racial and social justice issues for the New York Times Magazine. She received a MacArthur Foundation Fellowship, which is also a genius grant. Born a genius in spite of. Born a genius in spite of. And she was awarded the Genius Grant in 2017, and she dreamed up the Times, quote, 1619 Project Series. A co-founder of the Ida B. Wells Society, she actively pays or pays forward what she's received by working to bring along journalists of color to help them grow investigative skills. Nicole Hannah-Jones said she's proud of the black women from Waterloo and how she's grown into being a powerful black woman based in New York City. And this article was contributed to the advocate by Mr. Will Sutton. Nicole Hannah-Jones is visiting New Orleans this weekend to talk about the 1619 Project, the much-discussed journalism series about America's racial past that she and a team of her colleagues undertook at the New York Times. I hope that um, if you're listening and you're in the Louisiana area or anywhere else, that um, Nicole Hannah-Jones, the little black girl, bus from her neighborhood to a school miles away and worlds, worlds apart, has some news in the 1619 Project that she'd like to share with you this weekend in New Orleans. And please, she will be at Xavier University on uh, Saturday morning. Um, I encourage you to go. These are just two examples that was just recently in our newspaper here in Louisiana, The Advocate, that really two in one week, two in one week, and today is only Wednesday. So uh, these articles are um, articles that I will keep, as so many other articles I do keep uh, in my own personal archives, uh, because I want you to be encouraged to do and be all that you can be. And if you'd like to join in our uh, conversation, please call 888-627-6008. And our topic again for today is born a genius in spite of. 
and I'm Janice, your host with WAMJ Digital Broadcasting. Stay with us, and we're going to take a brief commercial break. back with Janice, your host for WAMJ Radio Talk Show. And again, today is November the 6th, 2019. And again, our topic is Born a Genius in Spite of. And I really hope that um, you take something away from the narration um, that was given on today. And because Mr. Ernest Gaines passed away on um, November the 5th, and then, of course, we also, uh, maybe two shows back, talked about a 13-year-old whose mother um, experienced her 13-year-old being bullied and the child hung himself. In the closet, I want to um, just ask that you pray for those who've experienced uh, loss in their lives, and um, I also want to share some simple steps that can help those grieving ease the pain of loss. And of course, this is narration as well. I held up just fine during the visitation and funeral service, a 43-year-old said, whose wife died after an aggressive struggle with cancer. However, once the funeral was over, I went into a confusing daze and wondered, where do I go from here? Even now, on some days, the pain is absolutely unbearable. And I'm not sure I can get through this. This man's dilemma is a common one for those who have lost a loved one. Yet, there are things someone faced with 
the challenge of losing a loved one can do to ease the pain of grief, including choose to heal. From the very beginning, make the decision that you will heal and will not only recover from this loss, but you will be a better person because of it. Accept the help of others. Establish a network of family, friends, neighbors, and colleagues to give support and help so you can reestablish yourself. Those closest to you usually welcome the opportunity to provide a listening ear or to run an errand as it gives them a sense that they are giving you something meaningful. Don't expect miracles overnight. Resume your daily routine. While difficult, go back to work. Maintain your involvement in civic and religious organizations and remain socially active. These are all important links which will lessen your risk of social withdrawal and isolation. Trust God for daily help and healing. Grief can make you lonely, and it can be a very isolating experience. Some people conclude that God has abandoned them. But remind yourself of the many biblical passages which clearly describe God's presence and find time to pray. Don't expect miracles overnight. Keep in touch with your physician. Your doctor can help you deal with the physical effects of grieving, such as sleep disturbance or eating problems that could occur. Research also reveals that bereavement makes a person more susceptible to physical illness. The advantage of a grief support group in your area, one psychiatrist said, seek help. The anatomy of bereavement, self-help group members provide vital emotional support in that anatomy of bereavement. They can share useful information about grief recovery. They can discover strong role models of others who are coping uh, creatively and find emotional relief, which comes from sharing with someone else who has been through the same thing that you are experiencing. Don't compare yourself with others. Heal in your own way and in your own time as your grief is unique only to you. Cultivate seeds of hope. From time to time, examine your life and remind yourself that you have overcome other crises and you will overcome this one as well. Reflect and record what you are learning. You will learn much about yourself, about other people, about the wound left by grief, and about healing and recovery. 
there may come a time when you will be able to pass those insights on to another person caught in the fresh pain of grief. Don't be afraid of your feelings, nor assume they are abnormal because they're not. The loss of someone we love generates intense feelings that are a natural part of bereavement. Forget normal for a while. Forget it. Death turns life upside down for surviving family members. Expect that daily life will not follow the same. Patterns that it's always followed. Your routine will be disrupted. Pamper yourself. Allow yourself to feel a little sorry for yourself on occasion. Both your body and mind are in the process of healing and need to be pampered. Let music, contemporary, instrumental, vocal, secular, or religious, soothe and calm your soul. Avoid individuals who frustrate you in your grief recovery process. Avoid those who are poor listeners, those who want to run your life, those who are judgmental about your grieving style, those who lecture you, those who belittle you or antagonize you, and those who minimize your loss by uttering such things as, you'll get over this, it was for the best, you're strong, you'll find a way to cope, and be glad it's over. Educate yourself about grief. Visit a local library or bookstore and select books about bereavement and the grieving process. It will help you know what to expect and will allow you to be more patient with yourself. Be tolerant of your physical and emotional limits. Be sure to nurture yourself. Get sufficient daily rest and eat balanced meals. If possible, lighten your schedule as much as possible. Delay making major life changes unless absolutely necessary. Don't move. Don't quit your job. Or it may not be the right time to make a new investment or sell off parts of the estate. Wait at least six months or even one year. By then, you will have a better perspective on what needs to be changed and what needs to be done. Know when to get help. Editors of the Mayo Clinic Health Letter note that 10 to 20% of widowed persons develop symptoms of clinical depression and can benefit from professional counseling. They cite the following signs that one may need for professional intervention. They are weight loss, social withdrawal, insomnia, crying spells that persist for a year or more after their loss. Help is readily available, and qualified grief counselors can be obtained through your physician, clergy, or various community mental health 
organizations. And these were just some simple steps that can help those grieving ease the pain of loss. And one thing you don't want to do is to isolate yourself. You still need to be around people and around those individuals who can help you in the grief process. Because at some point and time, every family or every individual will need to take advantage of a grief support group no matter where you are in the world. Life, born a genius in spite of life, born a genius in spite of. And we know that there's life and there's death. Death is not necessarily an easy pill to swallow for anyone, and especially for individuals who have never had an opportunity to fully develop their life. They've died as a child. They've died as a teenager. They've died as a young adult. It's heartbreaking. We don't know all the reasons of why or shoulda, coulda, woulda, but one thing I will say is that get the help and the support that you need from others. And with that, we're coming to a close on our broadcast on today, Born a Genius in Spite of the Beauty of Life. And we know that all life comes to an end at some point through death. And you have to know how to grow the genius inside of you. And everyone, everyone, everyone has seeds of genius within. And I'd just like to end our um, show on today regarding the families, um, their last name were, um, I think, the Millers, where they were in a um, three-car caravan in Mexico, and a lot of family members were killed. A lot, some of a lot of those were children, and I pray, I pray that God intervenes in that situation and help all of the other family members who are left and grieving and that those who died may their souls rest in peace. All the reasons of why uh, their caravan was attacked is not known at this point in time. But all life is precious. All human life is precious. And we pray for those families that were struck by this tragedy in Mexico. Thank you so much 
for joining us on today, WAMJ Digital Broadcasting out of Baton Rouge, Louisiana. And I'm your host, Janice, and I hope that you'll tune in with us on next Wednesday morning. And thank you so much and have a great day.